Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Alternative podcast, the only podcast out there that mixes the best in PGA Tour golf betting tips and alternative music. So what have we got to uh, go back on last week? Well, a heck of a lot. Um, it was the match play and we have a new world number one, uh, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, you'd have got long odds, uh, well, I don't know, was it... Um, February, he got his first win, uh, and um, here we are, three wins in five starts, and uh, Scotty Scheffler is suddenly the world number one. So, yeah, I mean, we can look at that and think, are the rankings right, the way they're structured, how they do it? But there's no denying that as of this last two months, Scotty Scheffler is playing the best golf in the world. So he is he is the number one player as of, yeah, certainly this this week and the last month or two. So you can't argue with that. Should he be world number one, um, you know, based on a longer term stretch of results? Well, he's obviously, as people have pointed out, not won a major yet, but uh, um, he's certainly been consistent in the majors. So all credit to him. Hats off to him. He didn't crumble on the pressure of becoming world number one. And it was a superb performance from him. Uh, it wasn't a superb week for us. Uh, Paul Casey was um, down and out on the second tee on the first day, and it got worse from, from there on in for me. So not my week, but I know my guest this week uh, did have some success last week, albeit not in the um, uh, the match play, I don't think. But uh, as always, we'd like to bring the best guests onto the show. And this week, I'm delighted to say, making his podcast debut, I've lured him on, um, we have Jamie Worsley from Betting Odds. Um, Jamie, good evening, and how are you? Hello, Martin. I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Uh, ja Jamie is uh, me and Jamie. We could almost throw well, we couldn't quite throw a stone because we're in uh, comparable parts of Northwest England, but um, yeah. uh, we're not a million miles away from each other. But uh, I'm delighted to have you on, Jamie, and um, yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for choosing the Golf Alternative for your podcast debut. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, I'm just talking about the match play, Jamie, and um, talking about Scotty Scheffler um, becoming world number one. Uh, what are your views on um, uh, Scheffler getting that world number one spot on – you know, consistent play, but a short spurt of wins. Do you, do you, I mean, I don't want to say, do you think he's a justified world number one because he's there and he's playing the best golf in the world at the moment? But does it seem a bit odd to you that he's not won a major and he's world number one, or do you just take it as he's playing the best golf at the moment? I must admit, when I found out he was going to us world number one uh, yesterday, I, w I was surprised that it, it was happening so quickly. Luckily, yeah. Because I just thought I thought he was too far behind the rest. I was it took me a bit by surprise that he was going to reach world number one so quickly. But the talent's always been there, hasn't it? Even from watching um, watching what he was doing on the corn ferry tour, to see how, how big a talent he was. But yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, surprised. Yeah, it, it is surprising. But I mean, I guess the credit to him is that we've seen and, and you know, I, I put this in my column um, I do for Sporting Life on a Sunday morning. I put this yesterday that I thought. I tipped him to beat Dustin Johnson, but uh, and I tipped Kisner to to win his semi. So that was nice, and I put a little double up there that sort of redeemed part of the week for me. But um, I, to be honest, thought he might go the same way as Morikawa and um, uh, Justin Thomas, more historically, with the pressure starting to weigh on him of being world number one. But I think he said in his interview Definitely. afterwards, he didn't, really he didn't even think about it. So um, yeah, um, how was your week at the match play, Jamie? Um, uh, any joy? Did you did you get anyone out of the groups? Or, oh, I, um, find, I find it's such a brutally painful event to bet on you know i enjoy <laughs> funnily enough, I, enjoy, I enjoy watching it i find it quite an entertaining watch but to bet on it's just it's just 
hair. It's just so difficult. You, you know, I think this week I felt like I tipped it up quite well. You know, I had Ty- Tyrrell Hatton in the last 16 playing well. I had Lucas Herbert won his first two matches at 125 to 1. Looked like he was playing well. And ended up with absolutely nobody in the last eight. On, well, only Hatton getting through to the last 16 as well. But I do I do enjoy watching it, but to bet, no, it's not, not much. Not much fun to bet, I don't think. A bit of a chore. Yeah, it's a tough, um, you know, my record in it, as I was saying to Dave Tindall, who was on last week, and he'd had Horschel last year. So, uh, um, uh, yeah, he was um, uh, far, far more the four-man on the event than I was. But uh, yeah, uh, my record it, yeah. on it is, is pretty pretty woeful. And um, uh, it uh, it showed this this week. I mean, I had uh, my, my three picks were uh, Paul Casey. So, well, yeah, we saw what happened to him. Um, <laughs> and, of course, you can't account for that. It's just one of those things, but um, yeah, a bit painful still. Uh, and um, then I had Sergio and I had Siwoo Kim actually, who was, um, I believe he was in Hatton's group, wasn't he? So, um, yeah, um, yeah, and uh, uh, and if he, I mean, all lifts and ends, isn't it? But he uh, he lost the last hole against Hatton, didn't he? Which, um, obviously was great, great for you, um, but it meant for me that uh, it was out of Siwoo's hands, uh, come um, come Friday, and as well as he played on Friday, obviously Hatton got the win, and um, uh, yeah, that that. That got him through, and uh, uh, and Sergio was a painful watch um, on Friday as well because it was in his hands still. But um, he, he played poorly against Bob McIntyre. So um, I do like the course. Though, what do you think of the course as a match play course? I think that's well, the redeeming yeah, feature of the event. It's ideal for a match play course, isn't it? There's a lot of risk reward holes. There. There's a lot of top holes where making pair wins you the hole as well. Yeah, I think it's ideal as a match it play is. course personally. Yeah, no, it's um, on that back nine when you have the drivable pair four. Is it the twelfth hole, and then you have thirteenth? Yeah, the pa- yes, it's par yeah, five twelfth, yeah. and thirteenth the, the yeah, driver when um, yeah, when you go over the water. But uh, uh, no, it's a it's a it's a typical Pete die, isn't it? Where you've got to think oh, yeah. your way around it, and uh, um, and you know, length off the tee isn't really an advantage. There's a couple of holes, obviously, the wind's um, a factor where it can, can come into play. And uh, but um, no, to, to me, it's um, it's a cracking course, and, and I do that redeems it as a watch for me. But like you say, as yeah. a betting heat, it's um, it's a tough one. Um, <laughs> what about over on? Um, I believe you had some success on uh, one of the other tours, so it wasn't all um, uh, all, all, all the sort of um downhill for you as it were i mean uh i believe you you put someone up was on the challenge tour you had a winner yeah the the, the core sanctions sunshine tour and challenge tour events again they've they've been quite tough this year you know most of the field are two, 200 plus people and playing over two courses as well so it's been quite hard to bet this year but i had my first winner there last week with clement Sorday at 50 to 1 so i won in the playoff as well like they have a terrible playoff record so i'm surprised he won to be honest yeah <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic. Um, what about um, on the Corallas? Anything, anything there? Corral, uh, David, I had David Lipsy finish seventh, and I backed him top six each way. So that kind of summed that event up. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, last week's um, winner of the free bet um, put up um, uh, put David Lipsy up for his bet. So I thought we might have uh, finally had a some because uh, I think we're 12, 12 weeks in now, and we've not um, the selections haven't really. Uh, thre- Threat, threaten the winners' enclosure yet, but I thought um, it was John was going to um, uh, get some joy with Lipsky. But uh, as you say, he uh, just sort of uh, stumbled on the back nine, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. On, on, on the back nine. But actually, from from my point of view, it was a bit of a painful one in that. Uh, uh, well, not painful, but uh, nearly painful. But uh, I had uh, I put Ben Martin up in this last year. Uh, and uh, I actually posted a copy of my preview from last year when I tipped Ben Martin because 
he's perfect for that type of track. Uh, and he'd actually played well in the Corn Ferry event he'd been in the week before. Uh, so I tipped him last year at uh, something like 125 to 1 in this, and he finished ninth. Uh, this year, I didn't go anywhere near him because, I mean, he's literally had three starts all year, and um, he just, uh, uh, you couldn't have fancied him. He's, he'd made no, three starts, two, two, two missed anybody, starts. Anybody's radar, wasn't Yeah, so, uh, but he is perfect for that type of track. So he's certainly someone to have an eye on, um, you know, if he's playing the, Heritage or Puerto Rico or, or you know the Sony or, or you know some sort of uh, co coastal event um, uh, and um, yeah he's uh, but he uh, he got um, pipped by Chad Ramey so uh, well done to Chad yeah, Ramey yeah. his first tour win so um, well at least you had a winner last week which is more than I managed so yeah my my week was uh, as I say it started badly with Casey and went downhill from there on in but uh, uh, we nearly had a winner on the pod though those who listened last week Dave Tyndall put up Kevin Kisner. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he will have given anyone who was on board a great uh, run for their money. So well done, Dave, on that. And that was a good each way return. So anyway, that's last week's move, uh, news. Uh, we move on to this week's uh, event. And um, actually, before we get into Texas, I know you've got a tune. You've picked a song, our first song for the week, um, Jamie. And uh, uh, for those who are newer listeners, um, we obviously put a music playlist up each week, which you can listen to afterwards on Spotify. Uh, and I believe you'll got a tune to start us off this week which is in honor of scotty scheffler um who's a tough man to get the better of at the moment uh jamie well, yeah <laughs> i must admit I've, I've not listened to this band since i was about 14 years old about <laughs> 10 years ago well no it's not 10 years about 15 years ago but uh, <laughs> a band called heard by knocking about in the early noughties singing you know indie, indie music and they had a song called heard to beat which i think perfectly summed up scheffler at the minute with three wins in his last five and over the weekend at the match play, it was absolutely fantastic, especially on the, on the final day. He just never looked, no one ever looked like beating him, did they? No, I was, uh, as I say, um, I was rooting for kids, no, quite because I put him up on the column yesterday, and obviously because Dave was on him from the pod last week, uh, but uh, he never, never, never got a chance really. And the one time on the back nine, you thought, uh, oh, hang on, he's going to pick pinch a hole there, he could be on a comeback. Um, Sheffler holds out on the bunker, so yeah. he, just yeah. has every, he has everything, Sheffler, doesn't he? There's no weakness in his game. Yeah, I used to he, think he was a bit of a weak putter, but he seems to have sorted that out recently as well. Yeah, he's. Uh, I suppose he's a bit like. I know Ram's been poor with the putter recently, but um, prior mm. to sort of this year, you, you you know, Ram was a player you couldn't couldn't really see any real holes in. He was just a strong all round player, and Scheffler's a bit like that, which is why he's got the game for the majors, obviously. But um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a perfect music tune to get us off and running this week. Hard, hard to beat by Hard Fire. So uh, uh, I do remember Hard Fire, and I remember that tune. So a great um, great selection to get us started with. Um, and uh, yeah, it's onwards um, to Texas and the. Uh, uh, the build-up, well, not on to Texas, we're in Texas already, but onwards down the road to uh, TPC San Antonio for the Valero Texas Open. Uh, and, of course, we are now in full Masters warm-up mode because this is the last event uh, before the Masters. Uh, this time next week, we'll be talking Masters. Uh, but, um, yeah, this is the last warm-up event. And um, it's always interesting, I think, uh, having, um, you, you know, Trying to trying to get your head around these events before uh, the week before the majors as to how players will be looking at them, and we'll talk about that in a little more detail in a minute. But um, uh, we're heading to TPC San Antonio. It's the Oaks Course. Uh, it's been host, I think, since 2010 or thereabouts, and it's a, a Greg Norman design, which is uh, interesting. I don't know how many uh, years the Greg Norman designs will continue on there on the tour yeah. for Jamie. But, uh... I was thinking the same thing actually. 
Yeah, so, but we are on a Greg Norman design this week. Um, uh, and I believe Sergio consulted on it as well uh, back in the day. Yeah. But um, uh, so there's one other course, Greg Norman course, that's played on tour uh, regularly through the year, uh, which are uh, on the PGA Tour, which is um, the Mayakoba course um, uh, down in Mexico. Um, we've got a par 72. They've actually shaved a little bit off the length this year. So I think it's just on or just under 7,000. 400 yards. Um, we've got um, Bermuda overseeded with bent grass, I believe. Uh, and um, it's always a tough nut to crack this uh, AT&T um, Oaks course. Uh, those of you who are a bit longer in the tooth like me, do you, do you remember um, uh, Kevin Nars 14 or whatever it was around here, Jamie? Do you remember that at all? Or was that uh, um, a bit before your your time? Or do you remember that? That's why going back there, Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he he shot. Um, I think I forget which hole it was, but he managed uh, a fourteen on one of the holes where he got stuck in the trees and just kept trying to chip it out and couldn't get it out. So, um, so it's a tough course, and so it's a par seventy-two. Um, what we tend to see now with it um, is that. Um, with its undulating greens, runoff areas, there's a propensity to set it up a little bit like Augusta, I'd imagine. Um, we're going to have probably firm and fast conditions this week because I know the weather's dry um, yeah. and uh, the wind is uh, uh, certainly the early part of the week before we get to tournament days is whipping through a bit. So I'm expecting a sort of... Uh, uh, firm, fast conditions. Um, actually, just look at my notes. It was a 16, Kevin Nar made, not a 14, before anyone messages in to cor uh, correct me. Uh, and it was on the ninth hole. Uh, it was in 2011. So if you ever get a chance, if you've not seen it, I'll post it on Twitter, Jamie. If you get a chance to have a look at it, um, uh, there's footage of it on Twitter. It's, um, uh, yeah, quite a mess he made in that hole. But, uh, um, and um, it's in, as I say, we're in this pre Masters warm-up slot, and this will be, I believe, the third time uh, this course has held this slot. Um, it had it last year, obviously, uh, and then um, it held it in 2019 as well. Uh, but prior to that, um, we were at TPC Houston uh, the week before uh, the Masters. So um, I've also looked back at some Houston winners. Um, do you, I mean, how, how do you tend to take, not just the week before the Masters, Jamie, but the week before the majors, do you sort of um, look at big names with, treat big names with caution? Are you wary of them or would you say? Yeah, it's yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I, just, I just think if if Rory is let's say thirtieth heading into into the final round, is he going to push? I mean, if, if he's thirtieth, he might be too far behind. But let's say he's six, seven, eight shots off the lead, is he going to push to try and maybe you know shoot like a really low number on the final day? Or is he going to more mess around with his game to try and get things working in time for next week? I just, I just quite, don't quite trust him to push for the win. I suppose if it, if it starts going wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's the certain. I mean, of course, we saw it with Phil Mickelson back in his day. You you get a certain type of player who has no fear in hacking up the week before a major and then doing it again. Um, yeah. So, but even the majority of your bigger names, I, I think, I'm not saying they're then trying not to win. That would be a stupid no. thing to say. Of course, they want to win, but I think they are trying to peak. Uh, yeah. Next week, not this week. So I, I think um, you, you, you know, if in their interviews, in their press conferences, they'll make all the right noises and say things like, um, uh, you know, we've got a big tournament week, and I'm here to win this week. I'm not looking at next week, and blah 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 blah. Uh, but I think 
deep down, it's all about getting the game right and getting it um, tinkered right um, uh, to, you know, to, to peak in his time, basically. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I think at the start of the week, they're intent, you know, everybody's intending to win the golf tournament. I think if, yeah. if McElroy's a bit off the pace at Earthware or after the third round, I don't think he's going to be too fussed, is it? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and, I mean, and if we look at, I mean, I guess it's sort of a two edge sword to look at here. We can say we can look at the last 10 winners of this event, um, where then we could look at the last 10 winners the week before, um, or you know, the Masters, if you like. And, and uh, I think perhaps that is the where I'm focusing a little bit more. So, I mean, the last 10 winners of this event, uh, obviously, last year, Jordan Spieth was a big name, of course, um, and a former master champion in the master's field. But his game was at a place where I don't think he was focused on getting his run ready for the Masters. He was obviously no. uh, focused on his comeback and just getting another win under the yeah, belt. Because, yeah, so so I think although Spieth is a big name, I don't think we can see him slightly how we would have seen it if Rory had won this last year or something. Um, and then there's been wins here for Corey Connors, um, Andrew Landry, Kevin Chappell, uh, Charlie Hoffman. Um, so this event, um, you know, we go back further, we've got your Stephen Bowditches, um, Martin Laird, Ben Curtis won here, Brendan Steele, uh, Jimmy Walker as well. So, so this event is an event that, um, isn't um, particularly won by big names, but as I say, not all of those were events held the week before the Masters. So um, if we now look at who's won um, over the recent years, the week before the Masters, uh, the last four editions uh, in Houston were won by Poulton, Pol sorry, Poulter, uh, Russell Henley, Jim Herman and Matt Jones. And none of those guys had a place in um, uh, the, the Masters field. So um, I, to me, I think um, we've, I'm more focused on players who aren't in next week already, if that, if that makes sense. So um, it's always an event um, that Texans tend to do well in as well. Uh, of course, we had Spieth last year, uh, Texans or Texas-based players, I should say. Uh, Andrew Landry, obviously, uh, Texan. Um, Stephen Bowditch is Texas-based. Uh, I believe Ben Curtis might have been Texas-based as well when... Um, he won. Uh, and in addition, we've had um, plenty of other Texas base players making the frame. So Danny Lee's made the frame here. Sean O'Hare. Of course, Jimmy Walker's won here. He's a Texas guy. Brian Gay's made the frame here. Um, Ryan Palmer's made the frame here. Uh, Martin Pillar's made the frame here. So several Texas um, uh, base players have, have, have made the frame here. So um so that's um, what I'm looking at. Uh, what do you see as the keys to unlocking this uh, track, Jamie? I think you only have to look at the last six winners and, and see that it's all about ball striking here, isn't it? You know, yeah. of, the, of the last six winners, no one's ranked worse than 16th in approach and no one's ranked worse than 38th off the tee. You've had Corey Codders ranked first in approach, fourth off the tee. Landry mm -hmm. ranked first in approach, ninth off the tee. Chapel ranked second in approach, fourth off the tee. You know, it's right there in front of you, isn't it? Yeah, and, and Speed thought his long game last year was um, tremendous yeah. here, wasn't it? He was, his top, was fantastic, yeah. Yeah, he was, I mean, obviously he was, I think he was four shots better than whoever finished third or, or what have you. And uh, um, uh, yeah, he was um, uh, tee to green. He was tremendous and he was passing well. So everything was working, basically. So uh, do you see it as um, 
a track that um, you know they're obviously trying to set it up a little bit Augusta like. Uh, do you, do you think short game is is key as well? Because obviously, um, if you do miss these these greens and some of the hardest to find on tour, if you do miss the greens, you've got to be able to yeah. get up and down round here. So are you are you looking for good scramblers as well, or are you focusing am, really on the? I am, yeah. You know, looking at the stats over those last six years, I expected the short game to have played a bigger part. To be honest, because one thing I always associate with this course is the severe runoff areas of it. Mm -hmm. But you know, besides Spieth last year, there's nobody ranked better than 19th around the greens when they've uh, won in these last six years. So it's not been as important as I thought it'd be. Yeah, though putting has been. You know, most of them have put it put the greens well. Yeah, yeah, no. So, um, so it's uh, it's tee to green is really what we're looking at, and I'm certainly yeah. sort of um, predominantly barking up that tree as well this week. So I think we're on the our selections on us is the same. Yeah. I think we're on sort of coming at it from a similar angle to a certain extent. Yeah. So yeah, so um, and I believe um, uh, we're roll, rolling out your music selections before we get some of mine so far this week. I believe you've got a, uh, a song from a band I've always liked actually. Uh, our second tune for the playlist this week, which is uh, all about those uh, those runoff areas that you're going to be tumbling off of uh, uh unless you're careful around the green so um uh, what's what's your second music pick this week jamie yeah so again going back to my to my youth and um it's a song by a band called feeder who's, who had a song called just a day i think that was my favorite song that yeah, was my favorite song yeah you know, you know if jason day was in better form i think he might have been a uh, <laughs> been, been amongst the selections but, but no um yeah a song called tumble and fall because there's gonna be a lot of people tumbling and falling off these greens this week yeah, no, that's um, uh, I must admit, I don't remember this track so well, but I like Feeder, so I'm looking forward to seeing this track again. But Just Today is a tremendous song. Do you remember the video for that song where they got all their yeah. fans, didn't they, sort of bouncing around in their bedrooms on the guitars and stuff? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's um, you see, I'm a still um, you put me to shame, Jamie, because I'm still an old uh, old indie kid at heart, you see, so I still listen to all this stuff. So, uh, um, but um, yeah, I um, I, I really like that track, it's one of those. Well, one of those tracks that um you can't help but sort of sing along to and um you know it's an infectious track isn't it so uh, yeah. uh but i don't remember this one so well so i'm looking forward to listening to this on the playlist so um so anyway uh before we roll into our picks for the week uh the betting market we've talked about rory and what sort of um uh you know mentality he's going to bring into this week but uh the layers aren't taking any chances it's uh well Seven to one, fifteen to two, your best price for Rory McIlroy. Uh, so he's half the odds of uh, the second favourite, uh, Jordan Spieth, who's gone a little bit off the boil of late. Um, Corey Connors, uh, I'd be a bit wary. Would you be a bit wary of Corey coming in and having played seven seven rounds last week and with Augusta yeah, next think, week? I'm a little bit wary of him at eighteen yeah, to I one. So. I yeah. think it's been a pretty hectic couple of weeks in general, hasn't it? Especially with um, yeah. what happened at the Players Championship, you know. Yeah. Like, Anybody involved in the business end last week is I'd, I'd be avoiding them. Yeah, uh, I think if he wasn't a former champion here, he might um, might have perhaps um, uh, you yeah, know taken the week yeah. off to get ready for Augusta. Uh, then we got uh, I mean there's question marks about all the Todd Mark because then we've obviously got Hideki returning from his back injury, I believe it was, and um, you, you know he's certainly uh, going to be. Um, uh, you, you would think just sort of trying to see what kind of shape his game is in before next week. Uh, so, so I guess it's only when we get to Abraham Anser, who's a Texas-based player, that uh, 
possibly there's someone who might uh, might appeal there. But um, I mean, again, Deshambo isn't for me. But um, uh, but um, uh, after Deshambo in the market, actually, we come to my first pick. So um, if you don't mind, I'll start us off with the picks for the week, Jamie. Uh, and my first selection this week is going to be Gary Woodland, um, and I think he's been quite popular today already. Actually, and it's it's sort of easy to see why. Um, we talked, uh, obviously, Jamie was talking about the, the long game here, and that is Gary Woodland's strength when he's on song. Uh, and um, he's, of course, someone who's sort of had to overcome injury over the last 12 months or so, but he seems to have got his, um, got his, got his swing sorted out now to sort of be able to um, avoid the uh, injury issues he had before. Uh, and uh, he comes here on the back of two top fives recently uh, in Florida, uh, the Honda and um, uh, Bay Hill, where, of course, he could have won. He stood on the 17th tee with the lead and then uh, went double bogey, bogey to finish and tumbled down to fifth place. But it was, again, another positive sign that he's getting back on track. And um, it's uh, the, the long game that seems to be looking good. So even last time out at the Valspar, when he only finished 21st, uh, he was ranked 13th from tee to green. And um, he, he just seems to be looking a bit more like the old Gary Woodland, really. And I guess a little bit like Jordan Spieth last week, uh, sorry, last week, last year, uh, I, although he's a major champion, he's not really going to be focused on Augusta. He's going to be focused on trying to get another win under his belt. And um, I, I think uh, uh, this could be the week that uh, he, he pieces it back together. Uh, he's got the form here. Uh, he was um, sixth here last year. Uh, and it was the first time he'd been here for many a year. And as someone who can sort of um, thrive a bit on a sort of a long par 72 layout uh, with his length obviously take advantage of the par fives um i thought it was interesting he decided to come back here last year maybe with half a mind that uh, an augusta type layout isn't a layout that he can have success on because um you, you know he's shown before that uh, he he can find his way around augusta to good effect so uh and uh, he obviously enjoyed it so he's back here this year and uh yeah i, I like gary woodland this week uh, i think everything's trending towards another win so he's he's my first um first selection this week yeah. at um, 28 to 1 any, any thoughts on woodland at all from your yeah, end it was very much on my radar you know i backed him last time out in the Valspar. Yeah, um, I, I also like his performance in the Arnold Palmer because I think the yeah. Bear Hill form can work quite well here. So yeah, you know he's definitely on the radar this week. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's one. Of, I mean, to be honest, there was quite a few players. I know one of yours we're going to come on to in a bit. That I was very close to backing. It was one of those events where I was struggling to decide who to leave out and predominantly I wanted to go with players who weren't in the field next week but Woodland was the one who appealed to me from the top end of the market so uh so that's my first pick um Gary Woodland and um I know you've got a couple at uh uh well one first of all just at um slightly bigger odds so um over to you um uh for your for your first pick Jamie um yeah it's a, the, the, another song isn't it as well yeah, yeah. Well, t tell us it. T tell us the form for the man before the music first. So, who, who have you got? Who, who's your money going on? All right. Well, yeah. My first pick this week's Adam Hadwin. You know, I backed him last time out in the Valspar. I am to uh, top six each way. I was in contention going into the final round, and he finished seventh. So, you know, naturally, my intention was to ignore him this week. Uh, this week, but the current form is in. I just couldn't. You know, he's iron plays fantastic at the minute. He's you know, if you look at the stats, they tell you that he's not driving it particularly well. But mm. he's not he, he's not about power off the tee, is it? He's, 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 an, he's an accurate driver and he's driving it perfectly accurately. So I'm not bothered about 
what the um, strokes gained off the tee stats tell you. You know, his last five starts, he's finished 16th at Pebble Beach, 26th at Phoenix, um, followed a miscut at the, the Genesis with now place uh, finish at the Players and then 7th at the, uh, the Valspare last time out. You know, yeah. uh, three uh, three appearances here as well where he's got better every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Cup, Mr. Cup at his first start and then finished 72nd next and was 23rd. You know, so his um, form's trending in the right direction, so to say. Yeah, and of course, I mean, of course, history here. I mean, don't be wrong, it's it's useful. Of course, it's useful anywhere. And Jordan Spieth, of course, had form here, um, you know, solid form here before. But um, uh, and you've got the likes of Chapel, um, who had great form here before. But there's been a few who have pitched up here and won with absolutely nothing on their CV here before. So I, I wouldn't get too hung up myself on course form here this week. But yeah, Hadwin's clearly, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I know it sounds stupid, but I, I prefer to sort of, because let's be honest, unless you're Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, you know, Justin Thomas, whoever, uh, you're not going to be winning twice a year or even every other season or whatever. A lot of these guys, they'll win once every three or four years or something like Mm. that. So that's the par for the course for your average PGA Tour player. You know, they might get two or three wins over their career and they might come once every four or five years or something like that. So so I tend to look at players who I think are trending towards another win and haven't won for quite a while. And Woodland is one of those, of course. And um, Adam Hadwin's one of those. Um, you know, he's got the one yeah. win and uh, he's, he's certainly due another one. So, um, so yeah, I wouldn't argue with your Hadwin selection this week. And um, uh, like you say, you've got another, got another tune for us here. So um, uh, what's your song for Adam? Yes, I jumped the one a bit there, but um, it's, again, uh, delving back into that youth, yeah, youthful music. What I used to listen to, it's a Blink One Eight Two Adam song. You know, I'm 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 assuming most people listen to the podcast have heard of Blink One Eight Two before. But yeah, punk, punk rock American uh, American band from again the early noughties. Yeah, no, I, I I mean they were um, I mean of course they were popular everywhere and popular over here, but massive band in America when they absolutely huge yeah. band in America. So uh, I still whenever if I you know whenever I get over to America, you put your your, your sort of car uh, car radio on and they'll pop up every twenty minutes or something like that. So uh, um, yeah. so yeah, happy to have we we've not had Blink One Eight Two on yet, so uh, oh. happy to get them on for the first time. So uh, they were yeah, very so. much my you know that kind of music was very much what I used to listen to in those teenage years. You know, yeah. So so what do you listen to now? Then do you not listen to music at all? Or are you uh, are you listening to opera like Kenny Kim these days? What are you listening to? Anything? I've kind of listened to anything and everything now, I suppose. And if I'm going to choose to listen to music, I have to put an album on or you know something like that. It'll probably be looking at some of that old music I used to like as a kid. I think most people like that. They like listening to the stuff they did listen to when they were younger. I'm the same. You know, I'll stick on Oasis. I'll stick on anything like that. Any anything with a guitar, I usually say. Anybody playing a guitar and that's a kind of music I listen to. Yeah, well, that's always been me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guitar man on the music. I'm fairly, I think, uh, uh, talking about Kenny. I think when, uh, uh, when he, when he came on, he was a fantastic guest on, and, uh, uh, but I think he probably got disillusioned with my lack of enthusiasm for gangster rap or uh, show music <laughs> or uh, um, opera or, or, or what have you. So uh, uh, I'm hoping I can lure him back on again. And I might, if you're listening, Kenny, I might even let you choose some rap music next time. So, uh, um, but um, yeah, so delighted to have some Blink One Eight Two on for the first time on the pod. Uh, and um, 
yeah, moving on back onto the selections. And uh, I know we sort of because we're looking at sort of in odds order. So I'll let you go again, Jamie, because you've got a couple more there around the sort of um, 40 to 50 to one mark, haven't you? So um, do you want to give us your next couple of picks? Yeah. First, uh, first up is Chris Kirk at 50 to one. Another player, pretty much like Adwin, he's been in fantastic form at the minute. You know, his, his last four starts, he's finished 14th at the Phoenix, 7th at the Honda, 5th at the Arnold Perma. Missed cut last time out at the players, but such a chaotic event. I'm not, I'm not too fussed about anybody who play, who performed poorly there. You know, mm. he's got fantastic form here. He's finished 6th before, two eight-place eight place finishes, 13th-place finish. Another one whose ball striking's on form this year, mm. ranking 32nd off the tee and 43rd in approach. To be fair, mm. even his short games are in good enough, Nicky. If that is needed this week as well, his short game's in perfectly good condition as well. I mm. also like his um, his form at events like the Sony. You know, he's also got form at the Arnold Perma. I said the Sony because it's another course which, like this Texas event, can often be wind affected, can it? So yeah. any form yeah. of those kind of courses appeals to me as well. I just think, yeah. like you say, you know, th these players don't win very often, so. They have to take advantage when they get into these runs of form when mm. they can win, I suppose. You know, Chris Kirk has been playing well enough this year to win a golf tournament and absolutely continues like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm sorry to sort of edge in, but uh, I'm um he was the last off my list. Uh, I was very close to backing him, and you're almost making me think uh, I've made a mistake now. So uh, uh, I, I was on him at the players, and as you say, he just got caught in the wrong end of the draw. Uh, I was on him um, at Bay Hill when he placed, um, and I obviously decided to go with him again at the, the players. And it was just a case of, you know, who, who do you leave out? And uh, I, I thought getting down to the odds he's at, it was his odds that I understand the events a weaker event, but his odds are pretty much halved from where you know yeah. got well backed him out at Bay Hill, and uh, um, I'm hoping I don't live to re regret it. But uh, uh, obviously, from your point of view, I hope uh, you know it'd be nice if you have the winner. But uh, um, I'll uh, I'll certainly be um, kicking myself if he does get the win come Sunday. He's other another thing that I liked, which um, I'm sure you you picked up on as well, although you just mentioned it. He's got a win in Texas, hasn't he? I think. Yeah, um, yeah. He, sure, he, yeah. Won, he, he won in Texas. Texas before so uh so there's a lot pointing to him and uh yeah he was last off my list and um and actually the next guy that uh, you're about to mention um he, he was well he wasn't last on the list but he was uh, uh he was certainly on the list as it were so um yeah tell us who your next uh, next guy is um Jamie yeah it's a, another strong ball striker you know he's one of the best ball strikers on tour has been for a few years it's uh, Johnny Vegas mm. you know not the guy off British TV the uh Venezuelan yeah. golfer yeah um, yeah, he played very well last week at the Corral. He's finishing fourth. You know, his, his, his form's been ever improving this year. 55th at the Genesis, 42nd at the Honda. Missed cut at the players again. Not really too fussed about that. And 27th at the Valspar. He's trending in the right direction. Quality ball strike. I mean, he hasn't got a great record here, which I'm quite surprised surprised about because it's the kind of course which I would assume would hmm. suit him. But, you know, in, in the uh, the last time he played, I think it was last year, sorry. Uh, no, not last year. Was it 2019 when he finished first year? Um, Wendy, I'll just check that when uh, you you carry on sending us more, and I'll tell you when um, he finished top ten here. But he's obviously got the other thing is he's got the. No, I, think uh, I think he finished third up in twenty nineteen. Yeah, so. he's got the Texas connection as well, hasn't he? He's Texas based, isn't he? I believe. Yeah. Right in saying so, uh, that's another good uh, good good link for him. But um, 
yeah, he's um, again course form isn't something you, you you know like I said before I would get hugely hung up on here, but um, uh, he's been hitting the ball very nicely for uh, quite a while, and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, he missed the cut here uh, last year, but yeah, thirtieth couple of um, uh, well, twenty nineteen obviously wasn't an event in twenty twenty, and um, uh, I think he was thirty fourth a couple of years before that as well, so. Yeah, he's uh, you know he's, he's driving. He's, he's driving what is obviously the biggest asset, but he's he's perfectly, you know, good enough um, in approach as well. Just hoping he yeah. missed too many greens because around the greens he's not great. So maybe that's why he hasn't gone well here before. So hopefully he's uh, he's on point in it in those greens this week. Yeah, he could. I mean, um, I think a lot of people thought he was going to close it out yesterday. He was obviously the the bigger name up there, if you like, at the Coralas, mm. wasn't he? Uh, and um, I guess you can view that uh, in two ways one that uh um you know if you'd been on him it would have been frustrating that he couldn't close out in that company and obviously it's been a while since he's won uh but then i guess from someone who's you know picking up on him this week like you are it's another trend in the right direction and uh um he's uh um certainly again you know due another win and of course he knows how to win he's got these two canadian opens under his belt hasn't he and uh obviously way back also at uh, yeah. the bob hope or whatever it was called back then so uh uh so he knows how to get the job done and i'm sure it's just a matter of time until he till he does again so um coming back though to um the um not the golfer but the uh, uh comedian from your part of the world if you ever get a chance to listen to uh me and my wife actually listens to uh the talking version of his autobiography uh and i don't know if you're a fan of uh johnny vegas the comedian uh, but um yeah people from wigan being from st Helens, you know i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> assuming you know like the big rugby league rugby league rivalry up here but yeah 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 so um for those um for our listeners across the pond by the way and we're digressing here slightly <laughs> uh and uh rugby we have two versions of rugby here which uh is a sort of um the original version of your american football without wanting to get uh, um uh, get, get us in hot water with uh, our friends from over the pond uh and we have rugby league and rugby union and um rugby league is um played almost exclusively in about a sort of a 50 mile radius across yeah. from uh, Lancashire, to, Lancashire to Yorkshire would that be fair to say Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, but uh, if you ever get a chance to listen uh, Jamie to Johnny Vegas the comedian's autobiography or read it um, he talks about he went um, uh, he went I forget what the technical phrase is it seminary school or something he went um, he, he trained to be a priest uh, he went oh. to the pre yeah he went to the preschool for want of a phrase uh, in um, St Helens or thereabouts uh, or possibly even Wigan actually well so somewhere not far away uh, and um, and eventually he um, he dropped out and then he went to art school and what have you and um, gradually morphed his way to doing comedy but I think he said the oh. first time he ever did comedy was when he um uh he was at the student union bar and it was like a comedy night and there was a comedian doing their thing up there and he was absolutely bladdered uh, sat there and um uh, you know with his mates uh and he thought the guy was awful and he just sort of got up and bombed his way onto the stage and stole the microphone off of him and sort of said you're rubbish and started ripping into everything and what have you and that was how he became a comedian basically <laughs> so um but um yeah and sorry american listeners you'll have no idea who we're talking about and what rugby league is and what have you but uh um uh but uh yeah so johnny vegas is your third pick isn't it for the week and yeah. um my second pick for the week is Patton kazaya uh and um Again, really looking at it from the point of view of um, 
uh, players in form. Now, Kazai has not quite um, shown up at the top end of leaderboards in the way that Chris Kirk has, but uh, uh, his form coming in of late offers, you know, really strong encouragement. Um, he's been consistently finishing top 30. Um, uh, his, um, his best performance this year, I believe, was uh, down in phoenix i'll double check that in a second uh but it's his ball striking that's um or his approach play to be more precise that uh uh is really encouraging because he's not necessarily historically known as you know he's more of a putter than a teeter green player but his iron play uh has been really solid uh he's 40th on tour this season uh in um uh in that department and um last year in this event he finished ninth when he was in no great form whatsoever uh and um uh, he ranked second uh, from uh, in approach play last year in this event, so uh, it obviously suits him. Uh, and um, yeah, he returns this year in a far better form. Obviously, uh, he, he's been sort of um, yeah ticking along nicely with a bunch of uh, as I say top top thirty finishers. Actually, tenth in Phoenix is his best performance of the year. Uh, he's 15th in scoring on the par five performances or par five averages, and uh, obviously got four par fives to uh, get a tee stuck into um, this week. And for what it's worth as well, he has uh, the win at the Mayakoba under his belt, which mm. I've mentioned earlier is the other Greg Norman design used regularly on tour. Um, and also, I mean, put to one side his form here last year, his performance here last year, but his last four starts in Texas, and I don't know if you'd noticed this, Jamie, but his last four starts in Texas are third and third at the Charles Schwab and the Brian Nelson, um, ninth here and 11th in Houston. So he's got basically four top 11s in his wow. last four visits to Texas. So there was a lot I liked about Kazai this week. And again, coming back to my theme um, of a player who's trending towards a win, who is due another win. It's obviously um, been quite a few years now since he got those two quick wins. And um, uh, I think uh, someone who's obviously 100% motivated, not in the Masters field, I thought the 66 to 1 uh, was more than fair. So I've gone a point each way on uh, Patton Kazai, fifth of the odds, first eight at 66 to 1. Um, I'm also going to throw a song in here, uh, and um, this might be a band um, that quite a few listeners won't know of, uh, but um, Valero, quiz quiz question for you, Jamie, and um, I, I know the answer to this one because I've travelled around Texas a bit. Do you have any idea what Valero do? Um, what they absolutely what, not. <laughs> well, there you go. So you're going to learn something new this evening. Uh, they're they're equivalent of um, I, I guess like a, a shell or something like that. So they're a um, uh, they have a chain of um, uh, you know gas stations, Valero oh, gas right. stations across, and they're uh, they're mostly prominent in the Texas area, not just, just Texas. That's a very, to be honest. They're, they're very prominent in 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 Texas. So uh, on that basis, with the Valero um, uh, gas, petrol, diesel. Um, link. Um, I picked a song by a band that I really, really like called Diesel Park West. Uh, and um, they were a, a very sort of quite a 60s influenced band. Um, if Dave Tyndall's li listening in, Dave, I don't know if you know Diesel Park West, but they would really be your cup of tea. Um, they've got a bit of a 60s vibe to them. Um, great melodies, great tunes. Um, and um, they had their album, their debut album, which came out in 1989, I think it was, uh, which going back a very long time now, uh, called Shakespeare, Alabama. So there's also a Patton Kazai collection there because he's an Alabama guy, obviously. Uh, and this is a song called All the Myths on 
Sunday, and I'm hoping that um, uh, the myths this coming Sunday are um, a good myths for Patton. Um, so it's Diesel Park West, all the myths on Sunday. That's my first musical pick for the playlist this week, and um, it's a tremendous tune. If you've never heard it before, do give it a listen. In fact, give the whole album a listen because it's a brilliant album, um, Shakespeare, Alabama. Um, Back to the golf picks, and um, I believe you've got a Texan for us uh, next uh, with, with the Texas uh, theme, um, Jamie. Yeah, we're on the Doug Gim next, who's coming off the back yep. of a really good performance at the Players' Championship last time out. I mean, his, mm. his form running into that event wasn't great. You know, he missed his last three cuts in a row, but I thought at the Arnold Palmer he showed signs of life in that missed cut. You know, his ball striking, particularly off the tee, was good. Um, he's historically since he turned pro he's he, we've known him as quite you know as a, another one who's a good ball striker in general isn't it particularly again mm. approach player but he's driving he's straight you know he's straight enough off the tee it's mm. often the putter which has undone him mm. but looking at scotty scheffler you know what scotty scheffler is doing doug gim was a teammate with him um yeah. wasn't it university of texas and of the two, Doug Gim was the one who's the, who was the number one ranked amateur in the world. So he must be looking at Sheffler. And I'm hoping he's ultra, ultra motivated. Team what Scottish Sheffler's achieved now. No. Yeah, I can see. I mean, it's, I'm certainly someone who who likes to look at those links of in, inspiration, if you like. And um, yeah, yeah Doug, Doug Gim certainly will be looking at Sheffler and thinking, oh, I want, I want a piece of that. And uh, I mean, I don't know how close they are, but um, you know, if they are. Uh, um, I'm sure they're reasonably friendly. If they are uh, good friends, then um, even more so that'll in inspire him. He he's actually become a little bit. I mean, obviously his uh, performance at Sawgrass last time out was really eye-catching, and he's become a little bit of a Pete Dye specialist, hasn't he? Because I he, he played yeah. well at Sawgrass last year, and I think um, that type, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he'd also played well at um, the. Um, Forget what's proper name is now the Amex. Uh, I still think it called it the Bob Hope, yeah. but uh, yeah, the Amex he'd played well there last year as well, hadn't he? And that was when there was three rounds on the uh Pete Dye design. So, um, so from that point of view, this track, although of course it's not a Pete Dye track, has some similarities with the runoff areas around the greens and what yeah. have you. So, um, so yeah, it um, uh, certainly should be something uh, that um, that he'd take to. So, I can I can see see your logic on Doug Kim. He played well on debut, he only finished 44th. He was seventh tee to green, but second last in putting. So you know, it tells you everything about him. That so, um, yeah, we can find something on the greens. It, which it, it putted well last time out of the players, but we know that doesn't always mean a great deal. They can blow off and cork, aren't they? So, yeah, it's it? all about the ball striking. The ball striking is starting to get back to the kind of stuff he was showing. Was it last year and in twenty twenty? So yeah, he's passed his weak link, isn't it? Um, he's passed his weak link. I mean, I was on. A, I haven't backed him this year. I was on a couple of times last year, and it was sort of a your painful watch on shot tracker when you know he stiffs it to six foot and then uh, uh, misses the putt sort of uh, time in time out. But uh, um, but uh, yeah, if he can get uh, if he can get the putter co to cooperate, then um, you, you would think um, he, he's going to have a good week. So uh, I can certainly see your logic. Um, I'm sticking with the Texas theme for my next pick. Um, and um, I couldn't not back Bo Hostler this week. Uh, uh, I attend um, this. This story tends to come out um, 
uh, pretty much every other week on this pod, actually. But uh, for various <laughs> reasons, uh, uh, it's the old Bo, Bo Hostler, Ian Poulter, uh, Taylor <laughs> Woe. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm not going to harp on about that one again. But um, my logic in backing Bo this week is twofold. Um, I mean, when I backed him that week in Houston, it was that he'd had a sort of encouraging start to the season, had gone off the boil a bit um, in, in Florida. Uh, and, um, uh, of course, he um, he, he lives, he's based now in Texas and uh, he spent his college days there. So uh, I thought a trip to Texas could, um, uh, could, could sort of inspire him to pick it up again. And uh, uh, that was exactly what did happen. Uh, and, um, of course, uh, the rest was history, as they say. But uh, after that, and... Um, I actually was interesting. I don't, uh, I don't know if you saw me put this on Twitter after Davis Riley's, uh, and I'll, t- I'll come on to Davis Riley in a little bit more as we go through. But after his near miss a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, I put the word of warning out there for people who think it's just only a matter of time for Davis Riley to now go and close the win and um, you know move on to the level that we'd expect him to to go at that next level. And the word of warning was Bo Hostler um, because obviously after Bo Hostler lost out in a playoff, um, uh, it just sort of went downhill from him from there on in and it's basically taken him two three years to start to you know show signs of looking like he could um could win again and um uh obviously had the great performance at pebble beach uh, a few weeks back where he finished third uh but since then shown it's not a flash in the pan he's continued to play well um his ball striking which on his season stats or let's just say his approach but on his season stats is you know the thing that lets him down um has actually been a lot better uh, the last uh, last few weeks, he was uh, 27th in approach at the Honda. Um, he was um, 40th in approach play um, at, um, at uh, Bay Hill. So uh, yeah, he's he's you know he's he's looking a lot better uh, in the long game department, and of course the putter, which is um, his magic weapon, that's uh, cooperating now as well. He's uh, uh, eighth on uh, tour in putting this season. And um, he, he just hasn't quite put the four rounds together. So he's um, uh, his twentieth place at uh, Bay Hill could have been a lot better, but for the um, tumble down the uh, uh, leaderboard a little bit on Sunday. Um, so there's signs that um, he, he could be, you know, getting back to where he was to, to get that first win. And uh, I think again, returning to uh, Texas has got to be good for him. Uh, he's not pulled up any trees at this event, but he's made the cut uh, on his last three appearances. Um, he's got a best of um, uh, 36th, and um, he was not in any kind of form, really, the last uh, two, three times he's played here. So, you know, this year he's got some uh, eye-catching bits of form coming in. And, well, obviously the big performance at, Bay, at um, Pebble Beach, but then the solid performances at uh, the Bay Hill and Honda. Uh, not so concerned about the miscut at Sawgrass. We've really obviously touched on that and, yeah. you know, what uh, chaos that week was. So um, so I couldn't not back him this week. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to take my chances on Bo this week. Uh, is, he, is he the sort of player you think will eventually get to where? I mean, there's so many of these youngsters who you think can't miss and do sometimes miss you know we've also got patrick rogers still come good one day yeah. um do, do you think bo hoster is someone who will eventually get to where people thought he'd get to jamie um, i'm not entirely sure about that but you know the form's there for him, uh, for him recently to show that he's he's still capable of it isn't it isn't it but yeah i mean he led the us not everybody can be a colin morikara or a victor hovland some of them take time to do it 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he led the US Open at 17 at halfway stage or something like that. So um, he's got, um, to me, he's got the talent. But as you say, it's like piecing it, piecing all the four rounds together. And there's yeah. uh, so so many guys out there that... Um, there's so many players you're looking on the Corn Ferry Tour who are like, you know, number one ranked amateurs in the world, number two ranked amateurs in the world. And, you know, they've been on there five, six years now. We haven't even picked up wins at that level. You know, it's yeah. not always a guarantee, is it? You know, turning pro with that talent, it doesn't always work out. I think everybody yeah. thinks, you know, watching what Bobby Kerr has done in Hovland and, you know, people like Wills Alatoris, players like that, you know, how good they've become quite... I mean, Scheffler, obviously missing the most obvious one at the minute, how quickly they've risen up. Yeah. So everybody's going to do it when they turn pro, but yeah. it's just not possible. No, and as you say, people develop at their own pace. And um, I do, you know, I just look at players like um, Bo Hostler, Patrick Rogers, um, you know, and you think... Surely the win will come and it will click yeah, eventually. The win, but, yeah. yeah, but but then I don't know. You could look at someone like I don't know Jamie Lovemark, uh, who was um, <laughs> predicted to be, uh, you know, the the a massive player on tour, and of course he's had a lot of back injuries, a lot of problems. But uh, um, he's, he's struggling to get a start on the Corn Ferry Tour these days, and yeah, um, he, you know he's still. I don't know exactly how old he is, but uh, um, he's in his 30s and you could still wouldn't be surprised to see him get back in the big league and get a win because, you know, he was certainly good enough and, you know, I'd love to see it happen, obviously, but uh, um, but it doesn't happen for them all and uh, I've no idea where Norman Zong is now. Is he, um, as someone who studies the, the some of the lower tours, um, uh, well, not just obviously the Corn Ferry, but the other tours, you know, Latino America and what have you, is, uh, uh, is he a player that... Um, um, you know, is is still looking like he can come through in the right directions uh, at all? Is he's is, is, is also what I've seen in the field for a while, to be honest. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, you've got these players who, who look like they're going to be massive stars, and for some of them it happens, and for some of them it doesn't, and there can be all sorts of yeah. reasons: injury, um, less of confidence, just a struggle with life yeah. on tour, or, or whatever personal stuff. You just don't know. But um, <laughs> but Bo Hostler, I do think will get there, um, and um, I think um, he's trending towards. Uh, Something big. Um, obviously, nearly had something big at um, at Pebble, so um, I'm happy to chance him this week. So, uh, and I'm going to throw another song in here as well, actually. And um, the the link for this song is purely that it's a, a Texas band, uh, and um, I'm going to pick uh, just because I love this song. Uh, it's called "The Widow" by Mars Volta. Um, and um, those of you who don't know Mars Volta, uh, I think if I'm right in saying they came through the remnants of At The Drive-In, who were a sort of a punky garage band. Um, but uh, Mars Volta, um, yeah, you, you couldn't, I can't even really describe them, but um, uh, they're a fascinating listen. And this album, the uh, sorry, this song, The Widow, is, is probably their, uh, one of the most famous songs. It's from uh, a 2005 album, France's The Mute. Um, and um, it's, um, yeah, it's sort of, amazing tune so um if you don't know this song give it a listen so uh but they're from um el paso i think uh, down in texas so uh that's uh that's their connection um, i'm just having a texas band and um uh, miles volta the widow so um don't forget, by the way, of course, you can listen to all the tunes afterwards. Uh, they go out on the um, uh, Spotify playlist that I'll be linking out. So, um, yeah, don't uh, uh, do give it a listen. Don't forget uh, that um, uh, it's out there to listen to. So uh, back to the selections. And um, I believe you're going for a past champion here as uh, one of your uh, next pick, Jamie. Yeah, it's uh, Brendan Steele. It's been a good, a good while since he won. It's 11 years now since he won in 2011. But... He's been showing some better form in, in recent weeks after starting the year with five missed cuts on the bounce. 
you know, in his last two events, he's finished 26th in the Arnold Power and 13th at the Players' Championship. Um, ball striking's been fantastic in both those events. He's, he's, his driving's actually been on form all year, to be honest, just over areas of game, if his game haven't, haven't quite fired. You know, but that mm. approach playing the last two weeks, again, looking at uh, players who hit the ball well here, you know, mm. um, uh, Steele just jumped out. Yeah. He, 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 he record's very... excellent besides that win as well. You know, he's finished fourth, he's finished eighth. Yeah, he's very much a um, he's the type of player who pops up on the same courses, isn't he? So, of yeah, course, he's got the back-to-back, back-to-back wins at the um, uh, Safeway or whatever it's uh, called these days, uh, Fortinet. Uh, and um, he popped up a um, couple of years running. Was it the Sony pops up a couple of years running? Yeah. Pretty well. So, uh, so he does tend to go back to places that uh, um, he, he likes and plays well there again. So there's certainly a, a, a logic in that. And uh, as you say, his ball striking um, uh, uh, strengths are, uh, are, are there for you to see, really. So uh, um, I'm, um, I can I can see your, I can see your logic in going with him this week. So uh, any um, um, uh, well, not any. I believe you've got a musical selection for uh, for Brendan as well. So uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. A rather spurious linky, but because his form <laughs> has been gradually improving, even through the miscuts, you know, at the Genesis and the, and, uh, the Honda, to those two um, finishes in his last two events, I've gone for Little by Little by Oasis. Better, better have an Oasis song in there, seems so a problem with my favourite band, so, you know. Yeah, I'm um, I'm always up for some Oasis. And I think Oasis were the first band to get three songs on the pod, so uh, uh, inevitable that uh, Oasis are, are popular. I'm waiting for the I'm week. That I pick, um, <laughs> I'm waiting for the week that I pick Sebastian Munoz, so that I can have my favourite Oasis song, Columbia, on. But uh, uh, or Sebastian Munoz wins, and then I can have it on as an honour to him. But uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm a huge Oasis fan. So uh, as everyone was, um, you know, um, I think uh, uh, you'd probably agree with. Me me that uh, although this is one of their songs from their later years uh, uh, as a whole would you uh would, would you say the earlier stuff is the better stuff you know definitely yeah, maybe yeah, and massively. what have you so, yeah, I must have yeah. it, was, it was a bit before my time but as i've gone back as, uh, in the teens and listened to them it's yeah. all the early stuff i enjoy the most yeah, no, they're um, uh, yeah, obviously um, one of the best uh, best bands that uh, has come out of this country over over many many a year. So um, yeah, delighted to have Oasis back on again, uh, and little by little, Brendan Steele is improving. So uh, hopefully he'll keep improving for you this week and um, give you a big run. Right, um, just before we actually, I meant to ask you this earlier, Jamie, and before we get on to the next um, uh, picks, if you like, uh, or my next pick. Uh, you're renowned for uh, i mean you put me to shame because i i my focus is the pga tour uh and people ask me why i don't put picks up on the european tour as well it's a dp world tour and i say because i just don't have time to study the two tours really so you're putting me to shame putting up picks on the challenge tour and the latino america and the corn ferry and the japanese tour and and what have you um the obvious question to ask is what got you down this rabbit hole in the first place of, uh, uh, of, of studying studying golf tours and golf form and what have you? What, um, uh, how, how long have you been doing this and what got you into it in the first place? I, I suppose in comparison to you, I've got too, probably got too much spare time on my hands, so that's why I have enough time to look through them. But I mean, <laughs> funnily enough, golf really wasn't a natural interest of mine. I've probably only been watching golf as seriously as I, as I do now for the last five six years and before uh, before that i started watching a bit more but i mean i, I can think the the first moment i started watching golf properly was 
the 2012 Masters because mm. before that, you know, growing up in the UK and not always having Sky, the mm. only golf that was on terrestrial TV all the time was the Open. So I'd always watched little bits and pieces of the Open as a general sports fan. But mm. I always thought this Masters looks like a decent tournament. So I'm going to watch it, you know, in 2012, all these people probably laughing, thinking this bloke didn't even know about the Masters until 2012. But I thought, well, I'll give it a watch. But to keep my interest, I thought I will have to have a bet in it. It's one, it's, it's a sport. What I probably, you know, what, what betting has brought me into being a big fan of it now. Where yeah. I will watch a golf tournament without having a bet on it. it doesn't I don't have to gamble mm. on it to watch it now. But and yeah. luckily enough, in that uh, Masters in 2012, I backed a bloke called Louis Eustace in each way. <laughs> so it was my only bet in the event, and he went on to, you know, he finished second to Bubba Dinty in the playoff. And I've been yeah. hooked since then, effectively. And right, it's just, it's right. just just starting off, you know reading previews from likes of yourself and Ben Corley and Dave Tindall and the likes and, mm. you know, just taking taking your tips and backing them to kind of think, you know what I mean? Why don't I have a look at this myself and see if I can do it and comparing who I picked to the the likes of you guys and seeing how, how you picked and just starting notes. And I've had, I used to I started having quite a lot of winners. Mm. And probably about, like I said, five years ago when I started taking it a bit more seriously is when I started to monitor profit and loss and things like that. Mm. And I think so 2017, because I joined Twitter in 2018. And I think 2017, I had a really good year. So I thought, I'm going to join Twitter and not to try and achieve anything, just to yeah. effectively have a chat with like minded people and, you know, mm. just share tips and have a chat and, and that. And it's just snowballed from there. I mean, I must say, you know, um, Mike Miller of Smart Golf Bets, his, mm. his spreadsheets for the smaller tours is probably what got me hooked on all those kind of things. You know, yeah, you know yeah. looking at them, I, I've, I've been hooked on these smaller tours ever since. I do think you can. You, you can find a bit more value on some of these smaller tools because the bookies yeah, don't know much I'm about sure it. Sure, you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, and I mean, um, yeah, you know, we like to do. I like to think you know you can find an edge with the sort of uh, the guy who went to college in Texas or you know ma married the girl who sort of uh, uh, lives uh, two two miles away from the course or something like that. You know, so uh, yeah. and that's on the PGA tour. So I can only imagine that. Um, you know the edge you can find if you're studying the Japanese tour or something compared yeah. to the layers, because uh, uh, I'm sure, as you say, the, the you know the odds compilers won't won't be as astute as someone who's you know um, studying it, looking for all the the, the niche um, angles like like you are. So uh, you, you know, all credit to you. And like you say, I mean, Twitter. I joined. I mean, someone asked me the other week sort of where I got my name Sundog Monkey from on Twitter, uh, and it was just a joke basically because it's uh, I've been to sawgrass and there's a couple of bars out there which uh uh one was called the sun dog and one was called monkey's uncle and we'd been to these bars when we'd uh been out there me and my mate and i said oh, i'm gonna join twitter and he said what's your twitter name gonna be and i was like oh uh sun dog monkey and all those two bars and i and i thought i'd probably get like sort of i don't know 30 twitter followers if i was lucky or something like that so uh um and um obviously the, the name stuck and i sort of didn't really feel like a change after that so um so yeah i had no like you i had no intentions of writing previews for anyone yeah. else or podcasts or, or or whatever so and that's i think the great thing about actually i mean social media gets a lot of um bad press and obviously deservedly so in for certain things of course but um you know, like um, Dave Tyndall said, when uh, he was on there for the first time, you get, uh, you know, you get a really good community on there and everyone's, um, for the most part, cheering each other on when yeah, they've had yeah. winners and stuff. And, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, we all uh, share in each other's pain as well when, um, you know, we backed uh, um, sort of, um, 
you know, Andrew Landry and they can't buy a putt or something like that. <laughs> so people that uh, most people would never have heard of. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, well, that's interesting how you got into this. And um, uh, obviously yeah. you'll tell us more about who you're writing for now as well a little bit later. But, uh, um, yeah, good for you. And uh, I certainly enjoy reading your previews. So, um, yeah, cracking stuff. Um, my next pick anyway. Uh, coming back to the selections, is I'm going to go, I know you've just gone for a past champion here, I'm going to go for a past champion, and um, I'm going to side with Kevin Chappell. Uh, and uh, it's a little bit tenuous, really, because um, I'm focusing an awful lot on the fact that uh, Chappell closed out um, uh, very well yesterday at the Corrales with a um, 66, I believe it was, uh, to sort of um, jump up the field and finish 15th, which uh, 15th at the Corrales isn't exactly, uh, um, you know, something to get hugely overexcited about, but it's his best finish in over 12 months. And... Um, uh, of course, he, he failed, unfortunately, to satisfy his medical um, extension um, earlier in the year when uh, he had his final start of it in um, in Phoenix when uh, he finished, I think, uh, 43rd and um, he needed best than that. So uh, he's now even got, uh, he's not even got sort of 125 to 150 status or anything like that. So he's, he's sort of... Uh, Picking up scraps where he can from the point of view of a start, hence he hadn't played between Puerto Rico and the Corrales. Uh, but he gets in here, um, I'm assuming he gets in here as a past champion first and foremost. Uh, and um, it's a course where historically his, his sort of reputation of being uh, someone who fares well on tough courses um, made him perfect for it when he won it. Uh, I was actually on him the year he won it, so I have fond memories of that. Um, I actually... and. Um, it's a long story, but I was in America at the time when he won, uh, and I was sat in a car park in um, Flagstaff, Arizona, when he won the tournament. I remember watching it on um, on PJTour.com, whatever, when uh, not actually watching it live, but you know, watching um, the scores update and um, uh, when he got the win. So uh, yeah, I was in. Um, so I remember it well. I was in Arizona when he won the tournament. So uh, um, and um, yeah, I'm um, happy to chance him again because. He's really got the most most of his opportunities. I'm hoping he'll bring some momentum in from the Corrales. Uh, he was um, uh, third in putting uh, at the Corrales last week. Uh, so he got the flat stick to work well. Uh, and he's, um, I mean, it's not so much his approach stats, but his greens and regulation stats are still pretty strong this season. So he's finding his greens, which are important here. If he can get the putter to cooperate uh, on greens, he's obviously performed well on before. Uh, he's not just got the win here. He's got a second. He's got a fourth. So, um, and again, I mean, coming back to our theme of your bow hostlers and what have you, I refuse to admit that Kevin Chappell's career is over. Uh, I think he's too good a player to not you know, find his way back to the PGA Tour somehow, even though he talked about, you know, he wasn't that bothered if he satisfied his medical extension, he can go and do something else and what have you. Um, I'm, I'm not buying that. I think um, he will find a way back onto the tour and I think um, uh, he will hopefully be buoyed by what he did last week and uh, come here and produce a big effort. So uh, 175 to 1. Uh, for eight places each way. I thought it was worth a roll of the dice, as the phrase goes. Uh, and, um, yeah, so uh, I'm happy to chance him here um, on his course form. Uh, basically meets um, his uh, strong putting display last week and uh, his, um, uh, you know, his, his, his decent finish. So uh, so that's Chapel for me. Um, that's my next pick. Um, before we go on to our final selections, I'm just going to throw a couple of... Um, 
uh, well, it's what we call the back nine, but we're, uh, we're we're running on as we always do with time, so I think we'll call it the back uh, uh, the back six today. Um, uh, Jamie, if that's all right with you. Yeah, so, no problem. Um, um, yeah, so <laughs> our back six questions, and um, obviously we've been talking about the um, the golf, uh, your tipping history, the golf winners you've had, and what have you. Um, what was your first, or not your first, your best golf winner, would you say, to date so far? Your biggest moments of glory? Oh, are we talking about only PJ Tory or any tour? No, no, no. Anything. You, you can give me your um, obscure challenge tour winners, well, whatever you well, like. Funnily enough, it's the um, Chevron Championship on the LPJ Tour um, this week. It used to be called the A&A &A Inspiration, I think. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, last year I backed Patty Tabatanike, a fantastic, tal fantastically talented <laughs> young Thai player. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> um, backed a first round leader and to win the tournament in two separate bets, and she did both uh, triple figures. So that's wow. probably, you know, maybe best win in terms of a tournament. Um, I yeah. In that same year, I suppose I had another. Two, I had a two, um, Matilda Castron win on the LPJ as well at two hundred and fifty to one. A bit, a bit of a lucky year, should I say? Last year on the LPJ at all. Yeah, the the, the, the Tabatonic winner in this event last uh, that's coming up this week last year was is probably the best winner I've had. That's well. That's fantastic. You've had a first round leader and winner of the tournament. That's uh, incredible. I'll be uh, I'll be following your picks for that when they come up later this week. So uh, <laughs> it's obviously a good event for you. Um, on the music front, um, can you remember back to your youth youthful days? Your first record or CD, actually. Uh, I'm showing the age of record. Your first CD uh, bought. I was quite. I mean, I've obviously heard the podcast before, so I knew this question was coming. I was quite confident at first, but I think it's between two. Um, it was either Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, or I don't know if you know Limp Biscuit, but that was that was kind of music I I Biscuit, to yeah. in my youth. And they had, a, they had an album called The Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. It was one right. of those two, but I can't quite remember which. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I, I would hope it was Linkin Park, because I'm more of a Linkin Park than a Limp Biscuit fan, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you either. But um, yeah, I, I quite like Linkin Park. They're uh yeah they're um, a bat ilk of band if you like that'd be one of my favorites so yeah. um back to the golf front um we've had your best golf winner your most painful beat this is where my bo hostler story normally comes up so um yeah your most painful um moment on a golf betting front where you thought you had that 250 to one winner in the bag and then they four putted from 10 foot on the last or whatever um it's not quite as uh, big a price as that. Um, yeah. I was on Kutra in that open what speed one. Oh, I was on him I as well. I yeah. like it in my life watching that tournament unfold. Yeah. Well, I was there. I don't know about you. I was there. And um, uh, yeah, obviously, it's um, my, my neck of the woods and I was there. Uh, and um, of course, I was following Kutra. So I was uh, in communication with a mate uh, who was watching on TV, um, you know, on, on, via the phone and what have you. And um, I said to him what's all he messaged me and said oh you know you got this one and i said why he said well speeds out of bounds on the i forget which hole it was the 13th uh and uh and i was like all right okay so and he said yeah you have to take a draw you know he's not gonna not gonna wait make uh six six at the best probably a seven this kind of thing so uh you know cooch is home and hosed and um of course 
you know, 10, 15 minutes later when nothing's really happened and I'm messaging him saying, so what's, what's happened to speed? What did he make? And he said, well, he's still, still there working his dropout. And, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, and of course the rest was history. So I can, um, sympathize with you on that one. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, um, uh, that was painful and probably, probably more painful for Cooch than it was for us too. Oh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he didn't do a lot wrong, did he bless him? So, uh, but, um, yeah, how speed finished that off is incredible. So, um, yeah um your dream four ball jamie if you had to have a four ball with um either golfers or musicians and they can be dead or alive so you're in it so i need three more i mean speaking of jordan speed he's probably my favorite golfer you know the the, the younger brigade he's probably my favorite golfer about it i mean i think golf's a better place when jordan speed's playing well Absolutely, i think i'd like yeah. people at the at the party who'd um who talk a lot so i'll, I'll have speed there he, he can he can lead the conversation along with probably Tyrrell Hatton, you know, another one who likes to talk a lot on the golf course. Of them yeah. two speaking, I'll, I'll, I'll sit quiet in the corner and maybe which one of the Gallagher's? I'll go for Noel. I prefer his stuff since he left the Oasis than Liam, so we'll have Noel in there. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with you on that front. So uh, I do laugh when I'm watching. Um, I mean, it seems to be every about four times a, a broadcast now when Hatton's playing and Rahm's playing and what have you that you've got uh, Andrew Coltart saying, oh, we apologise if you heard any bad language there. I think they just need to put a, a sort of a strap line across the bottom of the screen where they just say, um, uh, we apologise in advance for any bad language from any yeah, of the yeah. golfers on, on the screen on, in play tonight because it's just uh, literally, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, Tyrrell's there. I can't believe that effing thing went that effing way. And it's just wow. like, sort of, um, yeah. It's, um, it's I like a, it. It makes them seem human, you know. Yeah, That's how I'd react if I was under that kind of pressure hitting terrible shots. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem to bother hand, does it? He doesn't, you know, he hits the bad shot and, you know, chucks his yeah. club and um, sort of, uh, uh, you know, calls it all things under the sun. And it's then a release, he, isn't it? He, it's a release and then he's fine. Um, uh, you know, by the time he next uh, uh, next tees off, as it were. So, um, so okay. So we've got uh, Jordan Tyrrell and uh, Noel there. So that's uh, yeah, it sounds uh, quite an intriguing four ball. Um, your most treasured record, uh, or again CD, your one if you were on the desert island, the one that you'd take with you. I'm, I must. I mean, it's probably a bit of a, a four par this for proper music fans. I'd probably take like an Oasis Greatest Hits. I've got the Oasis Greatest Hits album. <laughs> best of all yeah. worlds on that rather than just having just the one album have the one what's got all the best ones on yeah that's um i think it was dave tyndall said can i have the best of the beatles or someone said that anyway so it was dave, oh, really but, uh, uh yeah so um uh maybe it wasn't dave i don't know maybe it was len who said that len hoshberg but uh um but uh yeah uh nothing wrong with that uh, oasis's greatest hits um your favorite course on the pga tour or favorite event um that you look forward to the most each year regular tour Ooh. event I mean, yeah, everybody likes Sawgrass, don't they? The place, I think yeah. Riviera as well. I do like the Genesis. I think it's a fantastic course, Riviera. Good old-fashioned tree-line golf course like that. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Riviera. No, that's a good shout. Um, uh, were you one of the millions who backed Neiman this year? I was. Oh, I was no, one no. Of, yeah, you, so you and me. I think we're the only two who didn't. <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you and me, the only two who didn't, but uh, bless us. But, uh, um, and um, the final question, uh, and uh, I think you'll probably get the same answer as everyone else does on this, but the goat, Jack or Tiger? Well, you know, only coming into golf, like I said, properly in 2012, yeah. it's t Tiger. It, Tiger's barely my generation, really. All his best, well, the majority of his best stuff came before then, didn't it? But definitely Tiger, you know, I can't pretend it's, it's Jack Nicholas when I've never watched him play. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, I remember um, I'm old enough. I certainly wasn't betting on golf back then, but I'm old enough to remember um, uh, Jack Nicholas winning the Masters in '86, which was, um, you know, pretty of a, uh, a special, um, a special thing to to watch. But uh, uh, but yeah, Tiger um, obviously is um, for our generation is 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 the man, really, isn't he? So um, the billion dollar question is though: Do you think he'll play next week? Oh. Anyone's guess, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot yeah. of people speculating that he will, aren't they? But I'm not sure. Yeah, I just don't see how he can be ready to, to be honest, physically. No. But I mean, there's a lot of, you know, obviously, literally up until, um, and I'm assuming nothing massive has been announced while we've been recording, but uh, literally up until half an hour before we um, uh, came on to record, you know, there was stuff going on, on Twitter saying, you know, the, um, the speculation is growing that uh you know because he's out at medalist practicing as we speak and what have you that he's going to be um uh he's going to be playing but um and of course because he's not in that list of past champions not playing that uh of course uh phil was um added to uh a week or so back uh you have to assume he's currently not said he's not going to play if that makes yeah. sense so um he, he's you know i guess he can leave it up to the last minute can't he so he, he's just seeing if he's um he, he's ready but i didn't in a million years think i mean to be honest i wouldn't be surprised if he hadn't teed it up this year on the pga tour so uh and still wouldn't be surprised if he didn't but um for him to come back at augusta which is obviously a really tough walk um you have to think it's um it's a huge ask but um you know it's tiger we're talking about isn't it so yeah, okay. um, uh, and it would be amazing if he does. Um, I mean, obviously, he wouldn't. Well, you never said he would tiger, but he wouldn't be winning and he'd be doing incredibly well to make the cut. But, uh, um, yeah, he's um, you know, just to have him there would obviously just add so much to the event, wouldn't it? So, um, okay, so back to our selections and um, your final selection is your, your six. We've each got six this week, so uh, your your final man, um, uh, yeah, it's um, I believe a case of what's up, Doc. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to take a bit of a punt on, on Doc Redman this week. I think you know, his form's been quite uh, solid all year after a bit of a poor year last year. I think he finished second, was it, at the Palmetto Championship, and other than that, I don't yeah. think he didn't really do a lot after quite a strong uh, 2020. And he's another player who, when he first stepped foot on the toy, he was all about ball striking, you know. Um, and and that's been... Uh, this year, he's, even though his uh, performances have you know, he's not quite been hitting the top of the leaderboard, but he's shown quality in most areas still, you know. He's, uh, off the tee, he's, he's gained strokes most events, gained strokes most events in approach. He's putting mm. generally, generally well, which isn't always the case with him. Just the short, you know, the short game is a bit of an issue, but you know, 150 to one is always going to be an issue. There's a reason why he's 150 to yeah. one. Yeah. You know, yeah, and he starts, like you say, he started to show because I mean, he lost his way completely, didn't he? Sort of yeah. through the very back in the last year and beginning of this year, but uh, uh, he's he started to show some signs of um, signs of life again, isn't he? But um, how, how did he how did he fit doing the Karalas in the end? Because he, he played, did he, he play the, the Karalas? He, he, he missed, missed the cut, cut yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He missed the cut, um, but, you know, he'd been playing in stronger fields before that and playing, you know, playing well. So again, I'll forgive anybody a missed cut to be honest. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. It went well for quite a, you know, he was near the top of the leaderboard in the players for bloody all over the first two rounds, mm. wasn't he? And ended up yeah, yeah. 26, but you know, he played well for a good couple of rounds. There. I quite yeah. like players though. These TPC courses often tie in with one another as well, don't they? 
Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's very true. And um, and yeah, he played. He was solid here last year, wasn't he? On his only appearance so far. Yeah. So uh, he made the cup. So, um, uh, and again, I mean, God, we're saying like stuck rare. I'm saying like a stuck record tonight. He's another in that list of players that uh, had the amateur pedigree, and um, yeah. you assume they're going to uh, uh, come through, and it's all going to click eventually, sort of thing. So, uh, but um, uh, I mean, another good example actually of that type of player and how they all take different time amounts of time to come through is Max Homer, isn't it? Because yeah, he, you know, he again came onto tour with a big reputation, and it was a real struggle for him for a, you know, um, a couple of years plus, a few years plus, uh, and then um, suddenly it all just quit for him at Quail uh, Hollow, and uh, uh, he's not looked back since, has he? So you, you know, you you just don't know when it's all gonna uh, all gonna fall into place, but I guess if they've got the pedigree and the talent then you think that week's going to come eventually and doc redmond's another another one who you think um it will all come together for him in due course so um my final two picks and i'm really you know in in keeping with an event that's uh uh seen Stephen bowditch and andrew landry and what have you win over the over the years uh um i'm i'm sort of out on um you know, out on the on the really big odds guys for my last couple of selections, uh, and um, I'm going uh, I'm going with Austin Smotherman and Nick Watney for my final two picks, uh, and uh, just to sort of touch on them briefly. So Austin Smotherman, who's available at two hundred to one, uh, one point each way for me, fifth of the odds, first eight. Um, he's uh, my second player with a Texas connection this week. Obviously, uh, I touched at the beginning on the, the Texas links to the, uh, you know a lot of the players who have um, performed well over the years uh and um as i'm sure a lot of the people listening will know uh this course was used for a corn ferry event uh when um the corn ferry tour came back uh after the covid hiatus obviously the pga tour missed out that year when the event was cancelled but um uh the corn ferry tour got um, two events in this neck of the woods two weeks running and this um uh course the oaks course was used for the second event uh the winner that week was davis riley yeah. uh, and um obviously he's another texas guy and of course at the beginning of the year when i was looking at the corn ferry grads and who could make a noise where Dex Davis Riley was very much on my radar for this week um and I guess there's two ways you can now view what he did at the Valspar which is well perfect timing he's got the confidence and he could push on and of course he could push on and he could win this week but of course he's hammered his price uh he's not under the radar anymore he's he'll have his own expectancy will have gone up um and I couldn't bring myself to back him at 50 to one and um that might transpire to be a mistake um time will tell of course but austin smotherman was fourth that week uh and he actually led halfway uh and um he went to college um in dallas he's still based in dallas uh we obviously know he can perform on this course and his season, I mean, obviously, Davis Riley is a strong tee to green player and showed that in the Valspar. Um, Austin Smotherman also um, is um, uh, strongest in that area. Uh, he's actually uh, 13th on tour, I believe, uh, in um, uh, in approach play. I'll stay yeah. correct on that, but I think he's 13th yeah, yeah, in approach yeah. play. Uh, and um, he's 26th off the tee, 33rd from tee to green. So his long game is, um, you know, right where you'd want it to be. Uh, and he's 
not, you know, he's not had a Davis Riley moment, if you like, yet on the tour this year. But uh, he was 11th at the Farmers, so he likes those tough challenges. Obviously, um, a little bit like your last pick, Redmond. He missed the cut at the Corrales, but I'm not going to get too hung up on that. Uh, instead, I expect him to um, be much more suited to what he's got in front of him this week. Uh, and um, he has won on the won on the Corn Ferry Tour last year, so we know he knows yeah. how to win. So at 200 to one, I just thought, and I guess this is the way my brain works. I thought, well, I'll take the 200 to one on the player who's slightly under the radar rather than the 50 to one on the guy um, who um, perhaps will have a lot more spotlight on him. And um, ultimately, Smotherman obviously has those Texas links as well, uh, and. Um, uh, we know that his tee to green gain is is suited to what we got this week. So, so that's Austin Smotherman. Uh, Nick Watney is a player who is very much on my radar this year as a whole. Uh, I put him in my six to follow for twenty twenty two. Team, if you like, and uh, he, uh, of course, he had the big week at the Sandersons before Christmas, which is part of why I felt he could push on this year. Uh, he hasn't had a week like that yet, but he has been playing nicely enough to make me think that he's certainly still going in the right direction. Uh, and um, uh, he was twentieth at Bay Hill uh, a couple of starts ago, uh, and um, he um, uh, he's been making his cuts basically. And what you see with Watney, I mean, he was second at Quail Hollow back in 2018, which was his last really big week before uh, the Sarnesons. But, uh, you know, he'd been ticking along nicely before that big finish. And then, um, uh, you know, been sort of finishing 30th, 35th, 40th, whatever. Uh, and then he suddenly produced that big week. And um, his form's a little bit like that at the moment. Uh, he's, he's doing a lot of things well. And, uh, of course, we all know that uh, the difference between finishing fourth and 34th is literally sort of, uh, uh, you know, one um, uh, one putt a day and maybe one one bad approach shot over the week or something like that. So, uh, so Watney's a player that I've got my close eye on. And he still strikes me as well. I mean, when he got in the mix at the Sandersons, he looked like he wasn't afraid you know he, he yeah. finished strongly on the sunday and i know we're going back a few years but that was the same at quell hollow when he was in the mix even though he hadn't really had a chance to win for a few years so so he still strikes me as a player who you know he, he will come good when he gets a chance he's not going to back off uh and um i just think that something is going to come from him soon uh if we've got a course that now is set up a little bit like augusta uh mm. obviously it's a par 72 um he's um he's good on tough layouts uh he was um 20th here uh, a, a couple of years back um so uh yeah and um i just thought 300 to one i, I thought he was worth risking because yeah, I think he's, um, a, he's, a, he's a huge price yeah, it was a huge price. So 300 to 1 with, I don't know if it's still there, to be fair. That was when I put my preview. Let's just have a quick look. Um, 300 to 1. Obviously, uh, people won't be listening to this as I record it, of course. But uh, um, is the price still there now? It was 300 to 1 with Paddy Power and Betfair. Um, let's see if that's still there. Uh, uh, yeah, it was still there, uh, I think. Uh, refresh to see if it's still definitely still there. But uh, yeah, he, he knows he knows how to win a golf tournament, and yet the three hundred to one is still there for eight places as we record. So um, yeah, I, I, 
I think something good will come from Nick Watley this year. Uh, obviously, something good came from him back in the last year. I think we will be seeing him in the frame again this year and quite possibly winning. Hence, I put him in my six to follow. So uh, he's been doing some work with Butch again, which seems to be the start where he turned the corner back in the last year. So, um, so yeah. So Nick Watley's my final pick, along with Austin Smotherman. Uh, my final music selection for the week, uh, a tenuous link. Um, so Austin Smotherman, um, obviously those of us uh, uh, slightly older will know that Austin uh, was a car brand um, in um, England. And um, uh, I think my dad had an Austin Allegro back in the day. Do you remember those, Jamie? Or they uh, before mm. your time at Austin Allegro? I have no um, idea what you're talking about. No, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Austin Rover, Austin Rover car manufacturer. No, okay. Yeah. Um, right, okay. Um, anyway, Austin was um, a well-known car brand. They were, they were like second behind Ford or something in the 70s or whatever in the 70s and 80s. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and um, that leads me to the cars. Uh, and uh, I'm um, going to pick a song by the cars, which goes back... Uh, uh, way back to the late 70s before the cars went all a bit um, commercialised in the 80s and what have you. And this was um, in their early, slightly new wave days. And this was called Just What I Needed. And uh, I think it came out in 1978. And um, when I should add, Jamie, I was still very, very young back then. So I don't you think I'm uh, ridiculously old. <laughs> and, um, but, I was, but I was born, which you weren't, I'd imagine. Well, no, you weren't. So, um, but um, yeah, this is from 1978 and it's the cars and Just What I needed so that's my final song pick for the week so um yeah that's my selections done your selections are all done as well aren't they jamie so yeah. um so Next week, gosh, we've got the Masters. Uh, delighted to say my guest for next week. Uh, I've somehow managed to lure Brian Kirshner from the Tapping Birdie pod on. Um, those of you, Jamie's always, oh, Jamie, Brian is based uh, stateside. Um, and um, I think actually I saw a picture of uh, our man Tom Jacobs uh, met up with him last week. Did you see that on Twitter? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Tom's out in New York at the moment. And um, I think he met up with um, Brian. But Brian's certainly a bit of a character. And uh, he does his Tapping Birdie podcast which um, I've watched uh, a few times and uh, he's a great, great listen. And um, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, he, uh, he had Paige Spiriniak on that um, on that podcast. So he's gone from being on a podcast with Paige Spiriniak to me in about three weeks. So um, uh, I apologise in advance for that, Brian. So, uh, um, But um, yeah, I'm delighted Brian's finding the time to join me next week um, to preview the Masters. So really looking forward to that. That'll be fantastic. Um and the free bet. Uh, every week we give away the free bet. Uh, and I'm going to do something that I've not done before this week, uh, which I'll come to in a minute with the winner of the free bet. But uh, we've had some great suggestions this week. Even Ben Coley put a suggestion in this week. Um, he was trying to get Jens Lechman back on the pod uh, with I want a pair of cowboy boots for the um, uh, Texas uh, link. And um, uh, that was I listened to it earlier, actually, a cracking tune. So uh, I'm sure we'll find a spot for that in one of the Texas um, events. Uh, Texas was suggested for Texas, obviously. Um, I don't want to love her for, um, by Texas. Um, uh, someone suggested Rock the Casbar because it sounds like Rock the Valspar. So uh, uh, I like your style. But um, uh, I'm actually going to give the, um, the free bet to the same person who won it last week because... I was actually going to put this song on the pod myself, but then when they picked it, I thought, okay, I'm going to let them have it. Uh, and it's John Everett again, who um, 
came up with Looking After Number One by the Boomtown Rats. Uh, another song you probably don't know, Jamie, from before your time. I've heard of the Boomtown um, Rats, but I don't know that song. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's Bob Geldof. You've heard of Bob Geldof, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, before got Bob Geldof um, saved the world, he was in a punk rock band called the Boomtown Rats, uh, and um, uh, they were actually a great band. I was a, a, a fan of those. That was, um, uh, I think, the first album I ever bought when I was very, very small, and um, I bought Tonic for the Troops by the Boomtown Rats. So. Um, yeah, um, and uh, looking after number one uh, by the Boomtown Rats. Scotty Sheffer is looking after number one. Uh, how he gets to keep it for, we shall see. So uh, that is my pick for, or not my pick, my choice for the free bet this week. Well done, John Everett. Uh, you've won back-to-back -back weeks. You're doing a Scotty Scheffler, uh, and um, you're on fire. So, um, John, I'll uh, be messaging you uh, just to confirm you're the winner. Um so before we sign off, um, Jamie, just uh, first of all, remind us of uh, who your bets are this week, who, who your picks yeah, are. We've got Adam Hadwin at 35 to 1, Chris Kirk 50 to 1, Johnny Vegas at 50 to 1, Doug Gimmer 80 to 1, Brendan Steele 80 to 1, and Doc Redman at 150 to 1. Perfect. And my picks are Gary Woodland at 28 to 1, Patton Kazaya at 66 to 1, uh, Bo Hoster 125 to 1, Kevin Chappell 175 to 1. Austin Smotherman, 200 to 1. Nick Watney, 300 to 1. Um, Gary Woodland is two points each way, and the others are all one point each way, and it's fifth of the odds, first eight. Uh, on the music front, um, I've gone for on the musical picks. Uh, I've got um, Cracking Tune by Diesel Park West, Shakespeare, Alabama, in honor of uh, Valero um, uh, Gas slash Petrol, and um, uh, All the Mists on Sunday. Um, so that is a brilliant tune from the Shakespeare Alabama album. Uh, I've got Mars Volta, The Widow, uh, a great Texas band. Uh, and um, I, my third musical pick and final musical pick for the week was The Cars and Just What I Needed. Uh, and obviously we got the um, uh, winning bet song from John Everett uh, with Scully Scheffler looking after number one by the Boomtown Rats. Um, remind us what your music picks were, uh, Jamie, if you can remember them. Uh, yeah, we had... Um... Heard to beat by her, heard five based on Scotty Scheffler's performances in the last few weeks. We've got Tumble and Fall by Feeder to, you know, looking at these runoff areas around TPC San Antonio, you know, the quite prominent. Um, Adam's Song by Blink182 for Adam Hadwin, simple as that. And Little by Little by Oasis for Brendan Steele's ever improving form over the last few weeks. Perfect. Brilliant. Um, Jamie, thank you so much for choosing the Golf Alternative podcast for your no, podcast, Jamie. Me, Pleasure um, to I'm, I'm hoping that um, I'll be able to persuade you to come on again in the future. Yeah. Uh, it's been fantastic to have you on. Um, remind all of the listeners where they can find your stuff, uh, where they can find you on Twitter and your written previews and what have you. Yeah, you can find me at jworsley89 uh, uh, on Twitter and weekly previews of the PJ Tour, DP World Tour on bettinggods.com. Perfect. Um, if you haven't seen, if, so if you're not too familiar with Jamie's stuff, I mean, obviously we've been through his picks for the PGA event this week. Um, but um, as I say, he puts me to shame in the depth and the 
knowledge and research he does on the um uh, on the sort of well, I guess I'm calling them the sort of secondary tours, if you like, but that might be doing the tours of this service, but you know, your your challenge tours, your corn ferry tours, and, and then of course also on the um LPGA, which certainly isn't a secondary tour, and they've got a big event this week. Uh and then Champions Tour as well, I think you look at um, no, I don't, don't, no, I, don't, I, don't I don't look at the old guys, no. Right, okay. No, so yeah, not the champions tour, but uh, I think you mentioned the Japanese tour is uh, um kicking off this week. So will you be looking at that one later in the yeah, week, yeah. You know, funnily enough, the Japanese tour was one of the first tours he had real success and on these small tours. We've been awful the last couple of years, so hopefully, I'll have a better year there this year. Marvelous. So, so keep your eye out when you're looking at Jamie's stuff on Twitter. He'll be putting up his um, uh, picks for these other events uh, as the um, uh, as the week goes on, and I'll certainly be looking at uh, uh, his LPGA picks based on uh, how he did last year in this event. So, uh, um, yeah, so um, I'm hoping you can. Um, strike lightning can strike twice and you can uh, uh give us a nice winner on the lpga tour again so but um yeah thank you much so much jamie for coming on thank you everyone for listening uh have a fantastic week uh back some winners uh and don't forget to turn the music up loud and uh i'll see you all again next week for a um master's preview but uh until then good night